The Matrix has only just begun to give up its secrets. The Matrix Online. The continuing storyline of The Matrix goes massively multiplayer. An intelligent mission system, realistic and intense fighting in wire foo and bullet time, and the chance to alter Matrix history forever. Whoa. www.thematrixonline.com Whoa. Rated teen for teens! Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Little random banter. I was fine. Yeah, running down a dream that never would come to me. (laughs) Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales. And tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. Well, listen up here, Mr. Jeff Petty. Um, <laughs> it's Petty Jeff. Uh, depending Very upon petty. depending upon many things, I think. <laughs> well, that was very clever. Running down a dream because we're going to be covering surprise runaways. Mm-hmm, 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 so very mm-hmm. nicely done. Very nicely done. Just peek behind the curtain. We are recording this before Christmas, and so in a little bit, I am going to actually give Jeff a Christmas present. Just kind of. Just to set a mood a little bit. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about the changes to our show. So I think I'm going to start off with the, the Christmas present first. I didn't get a chance to get over to see you. You didn't get a chance to go over and see me. But I wanted to go ahead and give you a present that one of our fans gave us. It's actually one of our fans and one of my good friends. I'm excited. I've known the guy for uh, hmm. over 20 years now. Uh, he listens to our show. His name's Rob Earhart. And I happened to be in Salem, where he lives. And he said, I-, I got something I want to give you. So he stopped by my work, and he gave me a very nice present. I'm excited. I'm very curious. I got to see what this is. He gave me two prints huh. of actual comic book <laughs> art from... The Hulk versus Power Pack. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I recognize Hulk Katie. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so we have two pages here. One is from Hulk and Power Pack number two, page 19. And this is the one where they're fighting Zax. And this is after Zax is been blasted into the water. And mm-hmm. Power Pack and the Hulk are standing there looking. They grounded lining him and everything, and yeah, it shorted him out. Yeah. I remember that from our Patreon episode. Yep, yep, yep. And I should say, I should say that both of these were picked up when our friend Rob met the anchor of the issue, Gary Martin. So these are the pages Gary Martin held on to after he finished inking. And he apparently goes down to a comic shop down in the Salem, Oregon area every so often. Rob went down there, saw him picked up these two pages for us and had them signed it. So that page I just talked about is signed to me. Wow. Whereas from issue number four, we have a nice page. It's issue number four, page 18. And this is where we have a sad, <laughs> sad Bruce Banner after he gets done talking about his feelings or something. And <laughs> <laughs> I think that's most superhero comics yeah. is uh, 
heroes feeling sad after they talk about their feelings. And this has got Katie Hulk, and she's looking down <laughs> at him, just staring at him. And then the bottom panel is her just reaching up, about writing to Katie Smash, poor Doc Bruce Banner. Poor Banner. And that is to Jeff and signed by Gary Martin. Oh my goodness, that is amazing, Rob. Thank you so much. That's that. Ah. Uh. That is thoughtful and kind and a little on the nose for what we're doing, but (laughs) (laughs) that's probably why I picked those, which are awesome. Those are amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That is, that blows me away. Those are so super cool. Yeah. I am very excited about this. This is amazingly enough. This is the first piece of power pack pages I actually own and you too. So this is very cool. No, that is crazy. Cool. And I got the Hulk Katie one. <laughs> yeah, yeah I was a little, a little, little angry about that. I was like, I yeah. wanted the Hulk Katie one, but you could have, you could have just written not Jeff on I, it, that, and it would have been true. like, oh, well, that's obviously Rick, right? And the so. other one would have been to Rick, and I would have had them both. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is the spirit of giving. It's the spirit of giving <laughs> the, to me. To me. Uh, to me. <laughs> Here, I'm gonna take, take the computer around. We're gonna show the camera off on things that I've bought for myself. Oh, what'd you get for your family? What? Nothing. What? Nothing. Why? is the holidays for me and me alone <laughs> we mentioned that we are covering runaways on this episode and you may have heard a couple of little changes we did to our introduction as well so you know we're gonna let you guys know we are doing a small change to our show we have now hit the era and we probably should have done this in when we did new warriors but we're kind of playing it by ear but we are definitely in the era where we are covering just one sometimes two characters of power pack, but mostly it's just one character power pack who's showing up in another series. And so we are going to cover those issues and not do it like we did with new warriors where we did a lot at one time. We are mostly going to be covering these as single issues. Every now and again, we might hit a cameo issue that somebody just kind of pops in very, very quickly and or is just seen without any real interactions. Those ones we might try to squished together maybe to two or three of those issues together but we're going to cover a lot of this stuff as single issues so we're going to be covering a lot of other stuff now uh runaways mm-hmm. young yeah, avengers loners i'm doing these out of order so bear with me uh, fantastic four future foundation so on and so on and so on all the related twos yes pretty much i have got a very long list and doing this issue by issue means that we are going to be doing this for another three years <laughs> Yep, doing it this way right? just bought more time. You're stuck with us for longer. I, I think I might be wrong, and I think we're doing it much longer than that. I, I it will never die. It won't die at all. It won't die. There's a all. regenerating Ouroboros. It just eats its own tail perpetually in all forms of matter and time and space. According to my new list here, we are going to be doing this for 2026. Oh, <laughs> oh no, that's terrible. I have a conflicting thing on my schedule for that day. Don't worry. We will reschedule for the next week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we're going to be doing these uh, adjacent, the singular player comics for a while. And then we will eventually get back into pure power pack because there is a handful of pure power pack coming up. And since we're doing stuff chronologically. Do you know what this means? That means that we'll probably be talking about my daughter driving a car before we end the series. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. I'm excited to see uh, (laughs) what the future will hold. Flying cars, jetpack pants. What could it possibly be? Oh, it's just talking about power pack. Yeah. So we are going to be covering a lot of different stuff. Most of the stuff is going to be the same. We are kind of tweaking a little things here and there. We are going to be ranking 
any kid that shows up or any teenager that shows up in this issue, we are going to start a new ranking system for the comic books. Yeah, new best of. We And we're going to bring over one, too. But we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to that section of our thoughts. Just so that any issue that's only got less than half of Power Pack, we will go ahead and rank it on this other list. That's kind of the upshot of it. Which makes the ranking easy to begin with again. Yeah. <laughs> So that's what's going on. That's where we're at. Now let's move on to, um, I don't know, talk about the two cents replay of last episode so we can start a whole new chapter in lives. Luke Cage is possessed by the new Shadow Lord version of the Boogeyman. Alex plays speedball on the beach with his new warrior friends. A dying of cancer Mysterio mentions in passing to Daredevil about that one time the Power Pack foiled his plans. Power Pack is one panel on the scene to help defeat a Hydra invasion of New York. Stiltman gets made fun of by the Shocker for that one time that he got beat up by Power Pack. And Katie has the good taste to not join the Great Lake Avengers when they go out on a recruitment drive. Yes, folks, it was the best of times. It was the worst of time. It was the time of cameos for our favorite kids and a variety of other titles that may or may not have survived the tests of time. Now that the Seriously, the Marvel swimsuit issue may be the dumbest thing that I have ever read cover to cover up for the articles, obviously. Two sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. I was wrong last episode when I said that we're going to be talking about Fantastic Four because I just didn't look ahead. So I gave you a bunch of beers and then I did this entire reshuffle and realized, no, I'm actually going to be covering the Runaways. But luckily for us, that first beer I gave you that we were going to have in Fantastic Four actually works for this. So would you take a look and see what beer we are going to drink for this issue? Mm -hmm. Let's peel this beer out like we peeled back the curtain of our ineptitude. And it is the back of a can, so I can't tell. It's very boring. What could it possibly be? It is great notion. They make some good beer. Come play with us. <laughs> ah, very nice. <laughs> Story time on it is keep beer fun. Nice. This is a... <laughs> oh, I'm trying to remember what the twins' names are from, are called from uh, The Shining. And I know this because I've used this in the show before as a joke, and I'm letting my own self down. <laughs> anyway, this is great. This is a very big Shining reference. It is the blue dressed little girls from The Shining in front of the elevator scene in the hotel that the doors open up. And what pours forth? Beer. Mountains of beer just stout <laughs> pouring out of that. You remember that very scary scene in The Shining where the beer twins beer full of elevator dump out on their you know what? pattern you know what? carpeting. I, I'm, I'm going to just save you because you're, you're fumbling here badly. <laughs> this is an Imperial Double Stout. 11.2% ABV. Come play with us as an Imperial Stout that shines with enough coffee, maple syrup, and marshmallow to haunt you forever and ever and ever. We hope this might be the best gosh darn beer from Timbuktu to Portland, Maine, or Portland, Oregon, for that matter. <laughs> I will say that one of my favorite local breweries is Great Notion. They have some wizards that do some amazing things with their mm -hmm. beers. I have gone and eaten there and had their beers fresh in their North Portland location. I love the place dearly, and I am so happy that they are starting to do some a little bit more mass production of their beers. It is local production only. I'm sorry. You were talking. I opened up this can, mm -hmm. and a wave of maple just hit me in the nose. I'm like, well, my goodness, I don't care what Rick is saying. I have to spontaneously erupt in commentary on maple. My goodness, this looks 
like it is it looks like syrup in the can it smells like syrup <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and break break something to you it pours like syrup into it the pours cup. like syrup this is amazing <laughs> okay it's darker than your average maple syrup but oh it is baby. oil can <laughs> oh it's gonna be a long show because this is gonna be a slow pour oh wow oh yeah. if you don't like coffee maple syrup or anything dark smelling then this is not your beer. No, wow. sir. That is a wall of dark. <laughs> there is no light that passes through that. That is. This is the absence of all color. In the oh world. my goodness! It had a nice mahogany head on it that disappeared immediately. But oh, just the smell is is just like a little coffee, you know, little morning coffee and maple syrup. And it tastes exactly mm. like maple syrup. Mm-hmm. A little bit of coffee. Oh, I get yep. the marshmallow. Yeah. Oh, the marshmallow does kick in. Oh man. Yeah, that's got a sweet aftertaste kind of going on with that with that marshmallow. Yeah, this is a coffee-flavored s'more, man. This is. This is. Yeah, it is. Wow. That is something. Oh, I love Great Notion. Mm-hmm. This is not for everybody. If you do not like sweet, this is not for you. I know there's alcohol in here. I can kind of taste it back there a little bit, but... I can I can feel it on my tongue. It is a. It is definitely yeah. a, a plus 11% or proof. But it, uh, as far as beer goes... Anything you might consider to be a beer taste, mm -mm, it's not there. It is sweet, maple syrup, coffee, marshmallow. Th those are the notes. It ha it does have a little bit of the kind of the alcohol tang on your tongue from the Imperial barrel. Mm -hmm. It does have that kind of little acidic, astringent kind of coffee thing going on with it. But it is... Take yourself an espresso, pour it into a thing of maple syrup, a good organic maple syrup that you can get, and then just... Uh, start toasting some marshmallows and some little graham crackers near you. Breathe those in while you're drinking that concoction down. And that's what you got. It is. Whew. We are going to be flying high tonight, my friend. <laughs> yeah, man, I don't even know what it is. It just is. Is all I'm, trying. I'm like, it is. What is it? It's good. It's different. It is strong. Great Notion has a great way of taking flavors and really ramping them up to the max without making them cloying and disgusting. This is almost close to mm -hmm. what some other companies will do where they just go, you really like the flavor of, no, it's too syrupy and gross. This is yeah. bordering on that, but man, is this really good. Yeah. And that is just, I've got maple mustache, man, because that aftertaste <laughs> is just hanging around forever and I'm loving it. <laughs> oh, great notion brewery. I love you. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on. We have got a good beer to drink. We have got a good comic to talk about. I've got good art in my room. Jeff, why don't you go ahead and give us the opening credits so we can start talking about The Runaways. Runaways, Volume 2, Issue Number 1, April 2005. True Believers, Chapter 1. Credits, writer, Brian K. Vaughn. Penciler, Adrian Alfona. Inker, Craig Young. Letterer, Randy Gentile. Colorist, Christina Strain. Editor, C.B. Sobolski. Featuring The Runaways, Nico Minoru. Carolina Dean. Molly Hayes. Chase Stein, Gertrude Yorks, and Old Lace. And guest starring Excelsior, Julie Power, also known as Lightspeed, Chris Powell, Darkhawk, Phil Urich, The Green Goblin, Johnny Gallo, Ricochet, Mickey Musashi, Turbo, and Jono Starsmore, Chamber. The Wrecking Crew with The Wrecker, Piledriver, Bulldozer, Thunderball, and The Excavator. <laughs> wow. That is a mess of characters in this book, isn't it? 
I guess we should probably start off with the story with one of these teens then, right? No, no we shouldn't. Instead, let's start off with two teenagers talking about what superheroes they want to be if they could be any superhero at all. While not the place I would start, I can get in on this conversation. Two fan people arguing over some comic book stuff seems like a pretty solid entrance for any book. And honestly, this is something that I can totally relate to. In this case, we have Victor and Jorge chatting about superheroes when Victor's police scanner announces to the LAPD that a masked felony is occurring. And this is great news. LA rarely gets supervillains attacking or superheroes superheroing. Except Wonder Man, but he doesn't count. Jorge wants to check it out, but Victor passes. It is a school night, you see, and his mom would get mad if he broke curfew. But Victor, then why do you have a police scanner if not to go soup spotting? Meanwhile at the robbery, home of the fighting session musicians. What? No, we are not talking about a group that played background music and popular songs of the 60s and 70s. We are talking about a group of robbers who each have enhanced powers derived from a crowbar. A crowbar. Yes, a crowbar. A crowbar. Really? Well, it's a crowbar with magical powers, so it's kind of special. Are you sure it's not the band? Because this is LA and that sounds really pretty silly. No, it's not the band and it's not silly sounding at all. And while Record, Bulldozer, Thunderball, and Piledriver may all be familiar to all Marvel fans in the house, this brash team with a shovel called The Excavator is new. Every team needs to be willing to expand, accept new members, be willing to grow, especially in LA where there are tons of opportunities for good musicians to help build a wall of sound for a breakthrough album. Ignoring that and talking about the bad guys walking out of a vault with bags of money and commenting on how much they do not like the new guy, the excavator, a.k.a. Ricky, who is the teenage son of Piledriver. In a twisted take-your-child-to-work day, PD has decided to reconnect with his estranged son by helping him become a criminal. Who, Ray? Question mark? The gang also talks about how L.A. is now an open market, ever since the old crime bosses of the area, the Pride, went and got themselves betrayed and killed by their kids. Let this be a lesson to us both. One day our daughters, Carrie and Aurora, will betray us and make a good podcast out of the ashes that remain from their usurpery. That is a tomorrow conversation, my friend. For now, let's talk about those kids who betrayed the pride, because they just entered our story. Introducing the Runaways! Brief record scratch for anyone who does not know this team. They are the children of a group of six couples who call themselves the pride. They controlled the crime in LA for a number of years thanks to a deal with some mythical giants known as the Gibberim. Each couple represented a different concept. The Wilders were the mafia controllers and strategists. The Yorks were time travelers. The Hazes were telepathic mutants. The Deans were alien invaders. The Steins were technology scientists. And the Menorahs were magicians, unlike the Dodds, who are just talkers. The children all gained something based on their parents' heritage or design. One member of the team, Alex Wilder, turned on the other children and was killed in the prior series. Standing in front of the Wrecking Crew now are... Gert Yorks, whose time-traveling parents got a Dinonychus, which they bred with a telepathic link to Gert. Gert named the dinosaur Old Lace. Nico Minuro received the Staff of One, which she can call forth from her body whenever she sheds blood. The staff allows her to cast each magical spell one time. Carolina Dean, who is an alien being made of pure light who can fly. Her natural appearance is hidden by a bracelet she wears. And Molly Hayes, the youngest of the kids. 
She is a mutant who has super strength and invulnerability. Now, back to the story. The four runaways stand in the street looking like mid-aughts, rebellious street kids that they are. Compared to the four buff men and their costume recruit, there looks to be a big power imbalance. But this does not dissuade the ladies. They state their thesis for being here. They want the boy. Give the boy to them. Now. Um, okay. No, 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 no. They have a vision. They had criminal parents, and they want to save other kids from going down the path of crime. As far as a recruiting phrase or a mission statement, I guess it's okay. I don't know how it's going to fit on the corporate coffee mugs, though. Apparently, Ricky's grandparents have been on the TV begging for him to come home. The same grandparents that Ricky now insults, followed up with a uh, toxic dig from his dad about the ladies in front of him. That is enough for Nico, and she directs the team to attack, which starts with Carolina lighting up and blasting Piledriver. Pushchow! Ricky did not like his daddy being smeared like that, so he runs up and slams his magic shovel across Molly's head. Crack! And now that the one thing that made his teenage kid special, his magic shovel, shatters and falls apart as Molly stares him down with glowing eyes. You see, he shoveled. He shoveled well. Too bad, our club could have used another boy. Kapow! Hi, Excavator. Thanks for showing up. Call us when you land from that punch. The Wrecker approaches Nico and threatens her with his stick. I, I mean, uh, his uh, crowbar. And Nico summons out her stick, the Wand of One. And then she utters the word deconstruct. And the Wrecker is just, um, well, he is just so many pieces of deli meat right now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't worry. Nico thinks that he may come back whole in an hour or so. Maybe. She guesses. Who's to say? While that horror show is occurring, Thunderball is threatening Gert, who is calmly leaning against a tree. The reason she is calm is because her pet dinosaur is hiding up said tree. Rawr. As Thunderball succumbs to old Lisa's warm embrace and screams out, Ah, my face! My face! Gert gets a reverse Uno by receiving a... Punch to the face. Thwack. Bulldozer, proud of his life choices that have led him to this punching of a child, mocks her right up to the moment a giant green machine falls from the sky and lands on him. Croom. Introducing the only boy on the team, Chase Stein, the son of mad scientists. He has gained the ability to make things work, even though he is thick enough to be on the wrecking crew. But I need to know what instrument he plays. At that moment, his instrument of choice is the runaway's transportation, the leapfrog. It's a jumpy, flyy, froggy-looking thingy. It's just what it is. Let's move on. Chase was late because he forgot to fill up the frog with gas and had to go borrow 90 gallons from the local gas and gold. So, <laughs> best superhero team ever. Said superhero team looks around to see how badly they have failed in their mission of trying to pull a kid out of crime, while also looking at how well they smacked around a supervillain team. The book transitions on the idea that some kids are lost, choosing the life of having power over being a kid. And we find ourselves at a church for a meeting of Excelsior, a type of AA meeting for former teenage superheroes. Excuse me. I want to do a spit take, but I do not want to get beer on my computer. AA what now? We all know the alluring power of super teams. You find you have a superpower. You experiment with some fabric and cosplay. You start hanging out with like-minded friends. You save a cat from a tree. <laughs> the next thing you know, bang, Thanos. Well... 
he is inevitable. This is a support group created by Phil Urich, who tried being a good guy using some old Green Goblin armor and having a psychotic laugh. Hey, I remember that guy. Didn't he try to prove he was a hero by uh, crashing into the new warrior's crash pad and then uh, attacking them? Yep. And Mickey Musashi, who was Turbo at the time. Hey, from the new warriors. Cool. I like her. Remind me, was she there when Phil, in his hero guise as the Green Goblin, crashed into the New Warriors crash pad and then uh, attacked them? She, in fact, was there. But they've moved beyond that really awkward not meet cute. They are starting their meeting by explaining that they are in L.A. to help former teenage superheroes transition out of the lifestyle of being heroes and transition back into being kids. Okay. Huh. So who are the suckers here for this crazy pyramid scheme? Well, we have Chris Powell, Darkhawk. He found this gem that allowed him to be covered in this pretty cool-looking armor that allowed him to fly and fight. Then there is Johnny Gallo. He goes by Ricochet and is a mutant with some agility and leaping powers. He used to hang with some Spider-Man wannabes. Also, there is Jonas Starsmore, known as Chamber. He is British, but I don't think we should hold that against him. His mutant power is this massive psychic energy he has inside him and some telepathy. Bummer for him is that his body barely contains his power, and it has destroyed his face from the chin down. He only speaks telepathically. He's been a player on various X-Men teams. Wait, we listed these guest stars at the beginning of this, and there's one more, isn't there? Isn't that last one Julie Power? <laughs> you know it is. Now, here's the thing. From what she says and what I've been able to find out, she felt that her childhood was taken away by being given power so young. So, after a lot of therapy and a desire to regain some innocence, she left home and has moved to L.A. to become an actress. Huh. Interesting choice for regaining innocence. Okay, with how she is drawn and her moving away from her parents, she's what, like 18, 19, 22? Uh, she's, uh, 15. And, and she came to L.A. at 15 to become an actress by herself to get her innocence back. Yep. And she's looking to network with everyone here. Okay. Uh, so hmm, th there's a lot to unpack here. So let's just. Uh, so everyone here has a story about how they have been disillusioned by this hearing thing and how it interfered with them being a kid. And after they all give their stories and start squabbling about. Uh, whatever teens with powers that they are trying not to use squabble about, Mickey takes a phone call. Hoping that it is her editor, she is massively disappointed that it is actually some weird creep that is dropping her information that will pull her and her AA group into the rest of the narrative. Hang, hang on. That sounds exactly like a phone call from an editor. The gist of the conversation is that this person wants the Excelsior group to go find the five runaway kids and get them to knock off all that heroing. And if they do so, he will give them... One million dollars. Meanwhile, at the runaway secret base. Home of the fighting La Brea Tar Pits. This is the second secret base that the kids have found that used to belong to their parents. Since none of them have jobs, income, or a reliable dental plan, they are surviving off of pickled food supplies and whatever the scraps remain of their parents' former lives. The kids are talking about how the supervillain interest in L.A. has increased since they took down their parents. So at least they are busy putting out the very fires that they started. Yeah, their parents might have been evil, but they were an ordered threatening evil that kept the trains running on time. As they are speaking about their parents and talking about the broken time machine that used to belong to Gert's parents, a working time machine that belonged to Gert's parents, that is not broken, appears. 
I hate time machines almost as much as I hate that sentence structure. A woman falls out of the machine and surmises that it is 2005 because Carolina is still there. Then she announces that she is the older Gert. I repeat, hate time machines. Quick recap from the future. Injured older Gert claims she is the leader of the Avengers and has been betrayed by some guy named Victorious, who she herself had put on the team. She is now here in the past to get the runaways to find him and kill him while he is still a boy. So the plot of Terminator. No, more nuanced than that. I mean, older Gert's not a robot. Fine, fine. Find the boy, save the world. His name is Victor Mancha. He lives in L.A. His dad is a villain in this time. Here is his picture. Now I die. Uh. Well, now the kids are all sad and stuff, even with some healthy skepticism by some of them. Most are ready to find and take down this Vic guy, especially Chase, who is currently dating present-time Gert and was holding future Gert when she died. Hey, you don't think that the kid we saw at the beginning of this book is this Vic guy, do you? Nah. His name was Victor, but that was probably just a coincidence. Next issue, True Believers, part two. And <laughs> now we are going to go ahead and do the themes of this issue with what I'm going to call Power Pack Packaging. Okay, I haven't changed that name yet. I'll change in the future. We'll I'll, I'll do figure, figure it out somehow. Yeah, <laughs> we'll figure out some runaway wrapping. I'm going to change it every time. I am looking at, I believe it's the main cover. I, I didn't, uh, the direct edition. I, I don't, didn't see if there's any variant covers on this, but that's what we're looking at right now. And this is Runaways number one. And the penciler was Alan Davis. The inker was Mark Farmer. This is the five members of the Runaway team. Very stylized a bit. Uh, you've got Caroline Dean, who is kind of half lit up with her light powers and she's kind of flying down like she's just landing. You got Molly there and she, she actually is not wearing a head cover which is kind of odd, but she's yeah, there. No, she's her eyes are glowing. Niku is just looking all Niku-y. She's very strong, very tough, and she's side-eyeing you through her mop of hair with her yeah. wand in front of her. Goth is all good out. Yeah. In front of them, we got Chase just looking as goofy as Chase does. Actually, he looks a little bit like a Cloud from Final Fantasy. There. Yeah, he really does. Yeah. And then we've got Gert, who's kind of looking up like very romantically. Almost wistfully. Wistfully. Yeah, uh, I would say she doesn't really look like Gert to me in this no. because Gert is a little bit of a she's she's in her kind of like chubby youth phase in the comics. Yeah. And this is a, a more older trim Gert, kind yeah. of like an in-between stage of her future self and her current self. And also and also she she never has that kind of open, friendly look on her face, especially during this time. She's actually she mostly has a scowl on her face. <laughs> yeah, she's rather anti-establishment, <laughs> yeah. I'll say. That's an attitude that you can understand. <laughs> the, I like the cover. The cover looks really good. Mm -hmm. I was tricked into knowing who some of these people were because I'm like, when you were saying the Cloud Strife, I was like, yeah, I was kind of feeling the Cloud Strife. And then Carolina, I was like, oh, I guess that's uh, Julie because it's kind of got the rainbow streaks of light behind her and yeah. stuff in the air. And, yeah. it, and then it was like, and these are these people. I'm like, I'm super mistaken. So <laughs> <laughs> I like this cover too. I, I, I think that. Alan Davis and Mark Farmer, they, they did a great job on this. It's very eye-catching. It doesn't really tell you anything that's going on, but it just says, hey, these are the runways. Yeah, cool. it's, a, it's a team of people. You kind of get an idea-ish yeah. of yeah. what they're like, that they have some powers and that they're what they dress like and that they're in a city. Yeah, you can tell two of them have powers. One of them carries around a big stick. Another one's right off of animation and the other one's off of a romance novel. So you got that <laughs> going for you. It could be whatever you want it to be in the book. Anything you want to be. So, Jeff, mm -hmm. have you read Runaways? I have mostly not. It Excellent. is. I have read probably a year 
or two ago when I knew that this was come that we were going to be going into the runaways. I'm like, I'm not familiar with this. I think I read, I've read something roundabout about this, but not really. I remember when this came out, I know that I love Molly Hayes. I love princess power. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've, re- I've, I've read little bits of their story here and there. Okay. I think I've read a thing where they traveled back in the past or something. It, <laughs> I mostly am unfamiliar with them. So Gert, I know, I know Gert through you know, old lace. Yeah. Does I mean, Let's just let, I'm going to be honest. If you introduce yourself and you have a dinosaur, I'm going to remember the dinosaur. (laughs) So the dinosaur has a human friend who has a name. It's a girl, I guess. That's cool. Whatever. That's a dinosaur. That's awesome. Nico, no idea who she is. Chase, I vaguely recall that I didn't like him. And uh, spoilers, (laughs) he refreshed that opinion of him. Yeah. Princess Power, love her just anytime they show her. She's my new Katie. And then uh, Carolina is apparently a character. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my familiarity is almost non-existent with the runaways to be honest it's, it's kind of funny because i would say that of all of these nico may be the most famous most recognizable she has actually appeared in a lot of other books more so than any of the others uh i, I think probably princess power there is princess, nobody else yeah and a dinosaur uh, yeah yeah molly has appeared in a few more she kind of bounces around because mutants so they they try mm-hmm. to pull her into that whenever possible and i've seen her appear in those things I, I, yeah i've seen a, there was a future version of her that popped right. into the x-men and there was just like she's big old buff molly and it was funny because in that version where it's just like here t- slap a uh, 20 30 years on her I'm like hey it's princess power so <laughs> When I got back into comics five, six something years ago, I heard about Runaways and I was like, I'm going to read these. I heard they're good. And so I went and picked up the entire series and read through it. And then I was like, oh, sweet. I did. I forgot. And even though I have loners and even though I read loners and I read this, I forgot that Turbo was in there. And yeah, that I was feel a surprise. bad because we covered New Warriors and I was like, where does Turbo show up after this? Oh, we're going to cover here. her again. Yeah. Apparently immediately. So I felt bad about that. I, I, I did recognize all of the instances with Julie in these runs and that sent me off another couple of spirals that we will get to. I can understand why you would be confused by that, though, because just from the introduction they gave of her here, it was very much just like, that's not the Turbo that I know. Right. It, it's not really the Turbo. And we'll get into that a bit too. But in in general, I do like the Runaway story, especially the first few volumes that they had were really, really good. It was a real fresh take on the young superhero team. And it's definitely not written for kids per se. It's definitely a little bit more older and really tapping into... Uh, that that early 2000s angstiness. Yeah, it does have that early 2000s vibe. It really yeah. does. That's not a dig on Brian K. Vaughn. I love what Brian K. Vaughn yeah. does. I love his work. Well, let's talk about the storytelling style because this mm-hmm. is definitely different than what we've seen lately. It's a lot thicker as far as the storyline, about the content, and about the, the number of stories and plots they've got going mm-hmm. on here. Because I want to say that we have a kind of four plots going on in this book. We have a little bit with Victor and Jorge at the beginning. Mm-hmm. We have the bank robbery. Mm-hmm. We have the introduction of, Ex- of Excelsior. And mm-hmm. then we have this introduction of Gerd at the end. So you've mm-hmm. got a lot of different stories. And I think Brian K. Vaughn manages to... Well, I'm a big fan of his saga, and I think this is very representative of what he does with saga. Yeah. He can put a lot of different plots going at once. They all tie together, but they are very disparate when you're reading them by themselves. And that is the really nice thing that he does since he, because we've looked at some other stuff even recently, where it's just like, oh, here, have a bunch of plot threads. Here's some ideas. They are going to go nowhere, or they're going to die immediately, or it is just garbage. Mm -hmm. Or it's just like, oh, I see what they could do here, but it's, they, 
handled it very poorly. It was a very bad juggler. Brian K. Vaughn can bring stuff in like this and you're like, I'm down with it. Tell me more. I'm in because mm-hmm. I know you're going to, you're going to put this together really good. And even, you know, like the wrecking crew, he was just pulling in an established bad guy team. And it was, they were almost were kind of there to give you a little bit of, they were a little bit of a walk and talk. Yeah. They were there to explain why LA now is getting predatoried on by supervillain. They did that. They also brought in the concept of, hey, I, we are bringing in a kid and giving him powers, and we're going to teach him to be the next generation of superhero. And that goes into or two of the other plots. Well, yeah. supervillain. But that ties right into a couple of the other plots. Runaway is very much a uh, legacy. Yes. It's all about legacies is what right. it really seems like. Yeah. And you could even say that Excelsior, who I know we're going to be talking a lot more about, but they are a bit of legacy themselves because they are Julie Power. She's kind of a, her own legacy. You might say she's an older version of herself, but she mm-hmm. is, you know, she's the young kid who's now the, the teenage kid doing this. You've got a guy who's got some links to Spider-Man. You've got what fourth, third or fourth generation of of X Men? Actually, I think mm-hmm. about fourth generation with um, Chamber. You've got Phil Urich, who he's got a hand me down suit that that he found of Green Goblin, and then Turbo, who kind of came in as another. I mean, not very much legacy, but she's you know second generation of new warriors that came yep. through. Y- you even get some of that with that too as well. Yeah, because it's a dumping ground of all these other established groups. Right. That have existed. Now it's just like these are the individual members that have kind of like um, and technically are going to form a new group. Very much a defenders group because they are an <laughs> anti group. We are not a superhero group. We are we we are here to not be superheroes. We're here to save kids and make and make give them something where they can talk about it and not use our powers and not be superheroes. Except for those times we get together and go uh, use our superpowers. But that's not why they get together. They get together to talk things through, Jeff. Yep. Mm-hmm. We will not see any of these Excelsior kids use their powers. Or costume up or nope, team never. up with anybody. Nope. <laughs> yeah, it's the antithesis of what they're trying to do. What do you think about the superhero group? <laughs> um, honestly, I always love the introduction of like support groups for people. So I love the idea of having superheroes that want to like get out of the life or kind of either were never really in the life, but kind of were, and it did affect their lives and they want to talk about it. I like that support group kind of structure because then you can get your disparate group of people together discussing things that they have in common while they would normally never interact. I also really liked a thing. I can't, it was in Spider-Man and I can't remember what they called it, but Jarvis Mm -hmm. did a support group for family members and loved ones of superheroes where they're completely anonymous, but then they could go and they could share because dependent NPCs, if you played any kind of games, (laughs) loved ones that are, Oh, it'd be tragic if whoever, you know, my wife was attacked by the the green sand or whatever. Cause they're like, Hey, I've been held hostage all this time. I don't know if my husband or wife is ever coming back home. Last week, my husband went to the store for milk and he came back a month later, but he had aged five years because he was a million years in the past. You know, it happens. You just got to get over these kinds of things, man. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And so, and the way you get over it is to have a support group and have people that you can talk to. I am super pro this. Super, super pro this. Julie is too young to be in LA on her own, but that is <laughs> something else entirely. But I am big, big fan of the support group structure. We have many, many issues to talk about this. Uh, we we <laughs> no. can go ahead and talk a little bit about what she looks like now. And I guess we could explain some of our problems with it, right? If we want to. When we see her in here, she is extremely tall. She has filled out. She is wearing a a crop top. So we're, we're seeing the midriff here. She's got a midriff yeah. going on. She's wearing a, a what golf cap kind of thing. Capris that are yeah. low you know, riders. Low rider. Yeah, very low yeah. riders. Yeah. And 
she is acting like a ditzy L.A. blonde. I came here to regain innocence and become an actress. And hey, if anybody knows anybody, a network. Yeah, so she's uh, not quite the person that we would know. This is not the direction I would expect her to go. I've got my own... Yeah, as everybody does. I've got my own uh, headcanon, my own fan fan sure. fiction. And the direction that Julie's gone is not the direction that my headcanon is, but I can also accept that and be like, hey, both can exist. I, at the moment, I am uh, uh, in the midst of editing the episode that's coming out in you know four days. Um, <laughs> I'm behind, but I'm in, in the middle of editing the last episode that we did of the miniseries from 2000. And at that time, Julie was just getting over a breakup with a boy, and she was very much about being with the family. Jack was like, I want to quit the team. I'm going to stop being with the team. I want to be with the family. This seems like a real hardcore left turn yeah. that Julie took in yeah. one, two years here, I think we're talking. She gave the, She even says in here, it, after a bunch of therapy, yeah. that she's regaining her bliss. She's regaining sure. her childhood, her innocence. And in her childhood... Yeah, I think she was in one play in in grade school, but never really saw her as the outgoing type to become an actress. Yeah, yeah, not really. It's a different vibe for her. I'm glad to see her. I like Julie. I think she's awesome. But it is a very, very different vibe for her. Yeah, I think what they end up doing with the character is very, is interesting, and I think it's good. It just is a bit of a turn from what we have seen with the character. So we're going to be struggling with that. Now, they don't say in here that she's 15. I just got this from a lot of other stuff that online. There's a lot to that. There's a lot to that. Yeah. We are going to be going through and talking a lot more. I mean, we're going to be hanging out with Runaways for another five issues. So we're going to be talking a little bit more about this group, this team. I thought that we would try to do is we tried to do a little bit of a character focus of different members on these teams as we start going in here because we're going to be introduced to a lot of different characters. So... We'll talk a little bit about Gert. Gertrude Yonks, she goes by the alias of Arsenic because when she found out that she had a dinosaur and they started to become superheroes, she said, well, I'm going to be Arsenic and Old Lace, which is an old movie. She later on is like, yeah, yeah, maybe that was kind of stupid. I was a kid. (laughs) But she's very sarcastic. She's very cynical. Mistrusting of adults. Very, very liberal. She's got no real powers besides the telepathic link with old lace. She's a bit intelligent. She's probably the second most intelligent person on the team, minus the one character who we don't see here, the one character who's dead from the original Runaways, and that's Alex, whose parents were kind of the leaders, the, the, the strategist. He was very intelligent, but he turned evil and died. Other story. So she's about the second most intelligent one. Uh, I think that as far as leadership goes, probably between her and Niku sometimes, but she is slowly kind of picking up the role as the team lead because she has one gift, and that is having a telepathic link with a very big dinosaur. It's the Grimlock theory of leadership. Me, I'm Kurt. Me, I'm strongest with dinosaur. And and that's not even how she does things. It's just that she... she, She's just good. She seems like a good leader. Yeah. We have Old Lace who protects her and watches her and that's her one gift to the team that's there besides doing a lot of thinking while everybody else is throwing punches or casting spells her parents were the time travelers of the pride so that's the reason why they've got this dinosaur which they got from the future and then bred it so that they have this telepathic link but she's got her own tech that she knows of with the teleportation or not the teleportation but the time traveling she just doesn't know how to fix the broken time machine but you're right they do have a time machine now which will come in handy some other time what have you thought about Gert so far? They've introduced her. I like her. She seems okay. She doesn't seem like there's anything wrong with her. There's a character or two that's popped up that had very, very glaring red flags pop off them immediately. 
Gert didn't have any of those. Gert just seemed pretty great. She had some good snarky lines when she's being threatened by a thunderball and she's all looking nonchalant about it going, you don't want to attack me because I have the power to make men uh, lose control of their bowels. It's like, <laughs> what? And then a dinosaur attacks. Uh, and it's like, yeah, that technically would make a person lose control of their bowels. So, okay, I can see how she did that. She can take a punch because bulldozer punched her in the face after that. So, And, and then her boyfriend dropped a giant machine down. Yep. down on bulldozer yep. so yep. she's got their, that going uh, for her too i guess their rv on them <laughs> i mean we're going to try to talk a little bit more about these characters and we're going to get to know them a little bit more but i started to start off with gert because we did see gert die at least an older gert die and we don't put too much faith in in time travelers because no. a lot can change in them but mm-hmm. apparently she becomes a very good leader because she was leading the avengers at yep. least in a potential future if only the multiverse existed and we could go and visit that. Oh, yeah, wait. thank you. Thank you very much, Watcher Jeff. <laughs> Give me back those eyes. All right. <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to some final thoughts. Now, we are going to start off with the Gallery of Greatness. What piece of art in this book needs to be pinned to our superhero layer walls? Because, you know, all the cool kids got a superhero layer. Mm-hmm. 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 So what is on the gallery of greatness? Now, do you have a backup joke, Jeff? I do. And it's on page 12. Page 12. Okay. And I call it the landing zone is clear ish. <laughs> yep. And that is where the thing that we were just talking about, where bulldozer is kind of standing over a uh, Gert, you know, like kind of threatening her, but also going, Hey, you're the prize kids. And I, I've, I've got this figured out. And then she's like, yeah, heads up. And yep. then Leapfrog lands on his head. So <laughs> I just really like that. It's a, yep. it's a great opening move in a fight is to yep. hit them with your car. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or have your car land on them. Yeah, that works. exactly. That works. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I would like you to go ahead and take a look at page one because I saw this and it made me chuckle a bit. If you look at page one and we are in the bedroom of one Victor, mm-hmm. who we are going to see a lot of, but on his wall there, there is a poster that he's got up of Captain America and we see just a part of it. And this brings me back to the old Spider-Man homecoming where they had Captain America come in and do a little <laughs> PSAs because on Captain America's little poster, it says drugs hurt America. Mm-hmm. And I saw that and I thought, look at that. We got a PSA with Captain America <laughs> all the way back in 2005. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, he's got a lot of superhero memorabilia and statuary and stuff in his room. It's really kind of neat. In fact, hey, I, I've peeked hey, Jeff, around. Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. Drugs hurt America. Drugs hurt America. I know. That's that's what Hulk, <laughs> I'm looking at Hulk and Hulk says, don't do drugs, do gamma. Well, drug, drug, drugs hurt America. Drugs hurt America. <laughs> what, 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 else, what else do you have as far as a funny one, Jeff? My top funny one is on page 11. Mm-hmm. And I call it weird fruit on this tree. And that fruit would happen to be a meat-eating dinosaur. This is where old Lace pops out of the tree and jumps on Thunderball and, well, eats his face. Yeah, I wouldn't touch that fruit at all. I would not (laughs) touch that fruit at all. I want you to go forward a couple pages there. Mm -hmm. And we get my top funny one. And I call this... I shuffle poorly mm-hmm. and it's where the excavator has just yeah. broken his new toy over Molly Hayes and Molly slight little waif of a thin little girl. She is no bigger th- than my daughter about the same age. Yep. And she just standing there as pieces of shovel are all around. Yep. As enchanted shovel shatters. Yeah, yes. that's great. That is a good one. That was on my list. It really was. 
I like that picture quite a little bit. Then let's talk about some of the best art. And there's a lot of good art in this book. I do like the art of this book. I think it is very, very pretty. I think that mm-hmm. we, we talked a lot, and, and, and we'll have some more time to do it, but we talked a lot about Brian K. Bond's storytelling, but we didn't really get into the art. And I think as we move forward, we should talk a little bit more about it. But let's talk about what we, art we liked in this book. What's your backup? My backup favorite one is on page 10 on Marvel Unlimited, and I call it The Balls in His Court. And this is where Thunderball is spinning his ball and chain over his head, going up on Gert and going, girl's got to stand aside. Otherwise, I'm going to pulverize your friend here. And that's where Gert then tells him, it's like, I wouldn't do that, mister, because I can make men lose control of their bowels. It's a great piece of art. I just love how just calm and collected Gert looks while she's Mm -hmm. just kind of leaning up against a tree and... I really, I've always liked the way that Thunderball looks. Yeah, no, Thunderball, he is incredibly menacing. I mean, you got somebody swinging around a spiked wrecking ball in your face, and she has no fears. She gives none of those letters in the alphabet to this guy at all. No, I love the picture. I think it's just so great. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I picked that. How about you? What's your backup? Uh, A couple pages forward, and I'm going to say one word to you. And that word is deconstruct. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's and the previous page. <laughs> it is Niku saying deconstruct, holding her wand of one, and we're watching the wrecker turn into sliced bologna. Yeah, it is just it, chunk it is, meat. You don't know what you're seeing. You do see the no, but you're like, wait, did that just that just happened? That, that just happened. Just she happened. just he he went cube. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> cube state. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, deconstructing. What is your top best one? My top favorite best of the best is on page 19. And I call it love me a good layer. Cause you I do. What? I have the same exact one. I call nice. it, I called that one. The frog cave. <laughs> because <laughs> Criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. So I don the mantle of the frog. Well, so that- the, it's it, number one. It's where they park the frog. It's yeah. where they park their vehicle. But yeah, this is a very cool thing. It's gothic Batman. Yeah, along those lines. It's cave lair. It's under the La Brea tar pits. It's just, it even, in fact, it even has a tar pit river flowing through the middle of yeah. it. it. I love a good lair picture. I love seeing people's lairs are. And the underground yeah. ones are always cool because it's like, oh, it's really neat architecture in, in, a, in a cave system. And you got the stalagmites and stalactites going mm-hmm. on. And the piece de resistance is this giant picture of their parents yep. whom they hate hate <laughs> yep mural of the family <laughs> yes yes yes. every time they come home they get to see the hated family members yeah no i i picked that one too i once again it's a big picture it takes up a good chunk of this page we get all the characters in there we get a really good drawings of their parents and, and there's a lot that goes in there and it's really good it's really well done bravo for that let's talk a little bit about rubber and glue moment i'm not changing that one because i love it we're still dealing with kids we still are saying what is the best or most childish insult so hey jeff Mm -hmm. you know what what's up buddy i i i like calling you i like it when people call me or or call people hey village people (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one when the girl <laughs> it's yeah, at the beginning yeah. of the book and it's when the girls show up to uh interact with the wrecking crew and, yeah, and, and that's how they introduce and we don't even see the runaways yet they just hey village people and then you stop and look at the wrecking crew going yeah okay i got it i see what they did there that's well done well done yeah, it's like i don't like it but i can't fault them can't fault them no good no. dig yep <laughs> what about you what is your backup uh rubber and glue moment 
my backup rubber and glue moment is on page 13 and this is uh just between with gert and uh molly talking and this is after mm. chase has landed on bulldozer with the with the leapfrog and has said hey i'm sorry i had i was late i had to go borrow some gas for the leapfrog because i forgot to mm. fill it up and gert's all we are the worst good guys of all time and molly's <laughs> all chase did you see who we got to beat up tonight their costumes were so were really pretty and i just i love we are just the 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 worst good guys i love the self-insult and then i just love molly just saying that the villain's costumes were really pretty i'm like i just love that that's just it's innocent and true <laughs> molly loves chase she loves chase unapologetically and it's great i love it it's the older brother she loves her older brother <laughs> my top one is i'm still in this fight i can't get out of this fight here and this is after we got the introduction of them so this is where Excavator, this young teen boy they're coming to get, and they, they said, your grandparents are worried about you. His response back, my grandparents, those stank old fogies can choke on their dentures for all I care. I'm running with my dad now. <laughs> Excavator kind of sucks. Stank old fogies. Stank mm-hmm. old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, really, can you beat that, Jeff? Can you beat that? I can. Bring it on. Okay. On uh, page three and five. Okay. You have uh, Jorge talking to Vic, and you have mm-hmm. Pile Driver talking to the wrecking yes. crew. <laughs> the on- yes, yes. What you're talking about is the ongoing little joke that they've got here. Whenever they talk about the heroes. Yeah, when they're talking about the heroes in LA, and every time they bring up, well, except maybe Wonder Man, and he don't count. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, just the Wonder, Wonder Man, Man gets no love. So no, he doesn't. I just love the fact that everybody's very dismissive of, of Wonder Man, who's quite a powerful ionic character. So <laughs> he's never been used the right way, I guess. All right. Yep. Speaking about Wonder Man, mm-hmm. let's talk about the most popular and the most shunned. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. We still want to identify the child who was the best and worst of the series, who was popular, who was shunned, because you know, kids, you got the popular kids you got the shunned kids somebody's got to be in each camp i'm sorry i don't make the rules we all live by them so let's talk about who was shunned this issue i'm gonna be surprised if you don't agree i don't Um, agree but go ahead and say it chase i knew that was coming yeah chase is definitely a a very good choice in this Mm -hmm. but i decided to not use him this time because i think we'll be seeing him a lot yeah he's probably going to be on this list quite a little bit let's just go ahead and say we can probably sum it up this way uh, Chase says some things that are very inappropriate. I, I, they were inappropriate then. They really set They're up his character. Now. They're inappropriate. They're very inappropriate now. Mm-hmm. They really set up his character. And he does get called out by the other characters about it. He says some very homophobic words. Mm-hmm. And such as it is. Uh, so, yes, he he is also designed to be a character that you do not like. I'm going to assume he's the inappropriate older brother that you love, but also you're yeah, it's like that uncle. You're yeah. like, oh, I love uncle bad words, but also uncle bad words. No, you can't have those opinions. No, uncle bad words. Don't listen to that. Don't don't quote that. No, don't say that uncle bad words. So- See, and, and I'm not going to use him that time. This time I am going to use a different member and a different member from a different team. Mm. I'm going to use Chamber. Oh, yeah, I could see that. I can totally. Yeah. <laughs> and here's why he is using an AA meeting to get mm-hmm. free pizza. That's it that's my reasoning right there yeah that's he, just, he was that's just, just a, a mean root mean you don't do that you no. don't do that i mean if i was really hungry you know maybe then it's okay but i mean you don't go there just for the free pizza yeah or if you do go there for the free pizza 
you don't say that you're yeah you don't you don't so you, if people are like do you want to share and you can just no no i'm not ready yet <laughs> no you go to job fairs at your college that's have that has free pizza for free pizza it's just like oh it's a job fair i am totally interested in uh the thing that you're doing i'm uh, totally job. interested in career and hospitality yeah that's it i am can i just i'm gonna grab a coke and a big piece of pizza and I'm going to eat these, but I'm going to think about your thing. And we're going to come back because I'm still thirsty and hungry. So let's talk about. Also, chamber, about- well, just real quick. Chamber also, when he found out that Phil Urich was a green goblin, he was just, he was ready to throw down. You're like, you're a green goblin. And it's just like, you know what? Here's the thing, though. Uh, I have absolutely no problem with that. Yeah. I, I, feel I, like I, don't have, is- I don't have a problem with that because if somebody says, hi, I took the costume of one of the most hated villains in the Marvel mm-hmm. universe and played around him for a while. Yeah, that's a bit how I would react to. So yeah, I'm not I, I do throw get it. Yeah, it's. Yeah. It, I don't know how long Phil Urick was a good Green Goblin anyway. A second. About, a yeah, second. about a hot second. Yeah. And when he, even when he was trying, I don't think he was doing a real good job of it. So no. this is a very good blip in Phil Urick's life, where he's like, "I'm going to help people until I don't anymore." Let's talk about popular. Mm-hmm. Who did you find the most popular? And I bet I already know who it is because you've waxed poetic about her all dang night you chose molly i did not choose molly <laughs> really In your face no i'm gonna cho- i'm gonna say my default is always gonna be molly and it's gonna okay. have to ha- there's gonna have to be some stuff to distract me from that i'm not picking molly this time just because as much as i love her she's my new high point she, everything about her is wonderful she didn't do huge amounts of stuff this was a gert episode this okay. was a gert this was the gert show i picked gert okay all right i can i can see it i can see it I did choose Molly, and it's for the scene that we already talked about, where she is so enthusiastic about mm-hmm. being a hero. She is. She, she is, is so enthusiastic. She is the only one in this. It's really her and ex- Excavator, because Excavator is enthusiastic about being a villain, mm-hmm. and Molly's enthusiastic about being a superhero. Mm-hmm. Everybody else falls somewhere in there. Most people on the... They're, yeah, guess, they're not heroes. They're fixing problems yeah they, they, they just are here so yeah, I, I just present. like how molly was just excited to be where she was and who she was yeah molly molly's a great choice she was my instinctive choice but she is not the one that i picked. color me surprised <laughs> now i promise this we are going to go back and we are going to talk about top grades and i might change the name of this too i haven't yet but i couldn't come up with something other but we are going to go ahead and start a new list of top grades and this one is going to be just evaluating the issues that have less than half the power pack members in it against other issues that have less than power pack. And what we're going to do is we are going to go ahead and seed this list with at least one comic that we have already ranked on our other list. And that was Uncanny X-Men Volume 1, 205, Wounded Wolf. We had that at spot number 38 on the other list, and it just always bugged me a little bit because it's a really good it is, issue. Yeah. And we just couldn't rank it high because it's not a good power pack issue. So now we are going to have it here and it is going to be number one. Surprisingly enough, I'm going to not fight you on that tooth and nail because yeah, right. no, that's where it, it belongs. Now, I like this runaway book. This against Wounded Wolf, I'm going to go ahead and say that this is second. I think this yeah. is a darn good book, but it's not. <laughs> no, it's not Wounded Wolf, it, but it's, not wounded it's wolf. good. It's it is very good. good. It's not Wounded Wolf good. Right. So we will place this as our number two in our brand new list. But Runaways, True Believers number one. I enjoy this. I think we're going to enjoy this series. And I'm so glad that we are talking about some good comics after some of the, some of the, whew, 
Yeah, we're on a good run right now, my friend. Okay. <laughs> Happy let's, times are here again, hopefully. Let's talk about... <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, I think we can say why Come Play With Us was perfect for this book, too. Mm-hmm. Because we have a bunch of kids saying, Come Play With Us. <laughs> so let's talk about this beer. Come Play With Us. I haven't drank that much of it because I realized that while drinking it, I could not talk. <laughs> and it's just a thing. This is exactly the same as when we started. It is rich. It is sweet. It is molasses. It is dark. There's nothing else I can say about this beer except I love it. It is love quite it a lot. good. And I'm going to say that this is a fiver for me. That's this impressive. hits all of my spots. I really like this beer. I really like the after flavor of this beer. Mm-hmm. I really, I love dark beers. I love stouts. Yes. I love the way it smells. However, unfortunately, I think that the imperial stoutness of it detracts from it because it takes away from that. And maybe they were doing this as a counter note, but you know, it was like it detracts from the flavor profile and the sweetness of it and the maple and the marshmallow mm-hmm. and kind of the, the warm, cozy kind of campfire feeling of it. It, it pulls it out of that because every time I take a drink of that, I'm like, I'm like, mm, ah, mm. the Imperial Stout moment that is, it's pulling it out for me. And I think it detracts from it. So for me, I do like it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to end. And I love the smell and I love the taste on my mustache and everything. It's four or five for me. That's fine. It is That's really fine. good. It's not, like I said, I think the Imperial Stoutness on this, the double Imperial Stout is detracting just, just enough for me to be like, oh, you're not quite what I want. I will say that this is on a good day. What we should be doing is we should be having one of these and we should be sharing it because, oh my goodness gracious me, 11 point something percent. It is a strong, strong beer. Yes, I think we've got the beer done. I think that just leaves us with a couple more things to talk about. And that brings us to the kid's perspective. And that's where Rick talks to his 11-year-old daughter, Carrie, about the book that we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. Welcome to a totally new chapter in our reading experience. Okay. (laughs) We are going to be reading some new books because we finished with most of the power pack stuff that we have there is some more stuff there is some more power pack issues coming up but right now we're really in an era of julie being on some teams and alex being on some teams and not all of power pack together yep so that's why we are reading this book called the runaways and i also found a little something in there too Oh, yeah? Something called Julie. That's right. Julie is in this one, right? That's why we're reading it. She shows up in this book, but we are you don't know anything about the Runaways, do you? No. Okay. And we're kind of jumping halfway into their storyline. What have you been able to pick up about the Runaway Kids from this issue that you read? Well, I know that their parents aren't exactly the best. Mm-hmm. I think their parents are dead? That's right. Their parents were super villains and they're all dead. Okay. And I learned that Gert. Yeah? She and Chase are girlfriend and boyfriend or something. That's right, yes. And Carolina is like an extraterrestrial. Yep, she's an alien. Her, well, her parents are aliens. And she didn't know that she was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nico's a witch. Yep. And Molly is super, has super strength. She's a, she's a mutant. Her parents were mutants and she's a mutant. She's got super strength. Right. 
and uh, Gert has a dinosaur named Old Blaze. Yep. And Chase is supposed to be good with electronics. His parents were mad scientists. Oh. He, he drives their vehicles and he can fix things. What do you think of them? Hmm, I like them. This issue, I kind of have one complaint. There's uh, some language in there. Yeah, a little bit. Not too bad, though, is it? No. I mean, I've heard it on a lot of TV, so... Um. <laughs> it's not bad, and it's as long as you don't say it in front of me or anybody else, then, you know, we're okay. I know. I never really said a bad word. No, I don't think you have. Don't start. It's a bad habit to get into. Yeah. But there are times when you're going to want to. But save yeah. that for when you're older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we also met another team. Well, we met a group of people. They're not really a team. A group of people who are kind of like wondering what the heck is going on, kind of. Well, not really. They're, they're a group of, well, some of them are teenagers and some of them are a little bit older. But what's their purpose? What are they trying to do? Why are they meeting together? Because they're all former superheroes. Right. And they're trying to help go back into that they're trying to get back into a better place they don't want to be superheroes anymore wait since when did julie not oh she said she wanted to be a hollywood star yeah julie wants to be a an actress in hollywood i can actually kind of see it though you can okay all right i was thinking she might want to be like a librarian or an author but <laughs> that's good too <laughs> yes 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 what did you think of this first issue did you like it yeah. It sounds like you were following along with it pretty well. Uh-huh. Did you have any questions? You know, I did. I, a few times I was wondering who they were talking about and what they were even saying. Mm-hmm. Like, they said something about Saddam. Saddam? Saddam? What is that? <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah. This, this book came out in around 2005 or so, and that was... After the Iraq war, after 9-11, and Saddam Hussein was taken down. Saddam Hussein used to uh, be in charge of Iraq, and, uh, well, yeah, he no longer is. Uh, he was executed. Okay, so you can see why there's a bunch of <laughs> confusing things in here. Yeah, uh, yeah, we need to get into history with you, I think. There's a lot of history that has kind of passed by you already. But it's history in comic books. No, it's real life. Saddam Hussein was real. Really? Yes. Well, we never really talked about him. Well, no, I didn't have a reason to talk to you about Saddam Hussein. I know, and in school we never talked about it. Not yet. You'll probably get there. I guess we need to talk about some more world events. <laughs> world events that I lived through and were before you were born, and that just really confuses me. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that you and I need to talk about Saddam Hussein and the Iraq War. Is there anything else that we need to talk about? No. Okay. Well, my work's cut out for me. Thank you very much, Carrie. <laughs> Night. Good night. I love you. Ah, uh, Carrie, my little runaway. It's always so great for you to join us. Thank you. Thank you. Shout out time. We love to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. Now, this is for episode 96, Power Pack, volume two, issue number three, Split Decision. See Chris Chang. Chad Michael Simon. And he says, yes, something to listen to at work tomorrow. Charles Gears. Clinton Robinson and his podcasts, 
Coffee and Comics and Fan Film Fridays. And he says, my ears say yes, my legal advisor says no. Cynthia Trailer. Jeremy Daw. Martin Gray. Max Reads Comics. Waffles in his podcast, Waffles and Mario Talk About Things. And he says, considering I've already downloaded it and y'all are next to my playlist, I'll have to get back to you with my results. Wandering Ambivent. And we also like to thank our wonderful and lovely Patreon people who give us a little bit of money to do some cool stuff. So we'd like to give them a little shout out as well. Adorably, astonishing, and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging cheesy and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Exciting, energetic, and entertaining Edward Verrucci. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Polier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent, monologuing Matthew Lazarowitz. Rudely rhyming and running Rustin Fritcher. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Strange and stirringly steady Stephen Gray. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Technically terrific and triumphant Todd Enoch. Way, way wordy and wobbly waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky wind. Be sure to check out the other shows that we are on. Our junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And my wonderful show, Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout on the Longbox Crusade Network. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where you can find such shirts as the one that I'm wearing right now. As you can definitely see, Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of a backup pair of reading glasses because I was too lazy to go upstairs and buy other reading glasses. Studio audience in Portland, Oregon. If you'd like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at Gmail or at our website jeffandrickpresent.wordpress.com also our youtube channel is at jeff and rick present and if you would like to help support our show we are on patreon you can find us at patreon.com jeff and rick present all one word we are also a proud supporter of the hero initiative and we will be donating 10 percent of our patreon donations to this great cause we encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us and share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. Until next time. Costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Steel and Seething. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Acoptech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Gert Yorks, whose time-traveling parents got a Dynanicus. Dynanicus. Dinosaur got a dinosaur. Gert got a dinosaur. Rawr. Dynanicus. Dynanicus. Dynan. Dinonicus. Nico Minoru. Minoru? Minoru? And if they do so, and if they do so, I'm going to just do the whole thing over again. Just do the entire thing over again. It's just garbage from stem to stern. It's a boat of filth. I do love that. (laughs) (laughs) Driving motivating force. Now I die. (laughs) Now they have a working time machine. Yeah. Uh, 
honey, you can't be doing this. You got You can slide off me in a couple of minutes. Okay, What's Redbubble? Uh, it's a merchandise site where you could buy stuff from us, which would help support our show and us in these trying of times. 